Hey folks, this is Scott back here for another week at KC Greats. I am fortunate this week to be joined by somebody doing really unique stuff in town here. And Major Bazden, Major, thanks for taking time, man. You're a busy guy. I, I am, but thanks. You know, it's uh, it's a pleasure to be on your show. Well, thanks, man. You got you got a ton going on. I always kind of like to start at the beginning. Um, are you, How'd you get to Kansas City? Are you a native or what? I'm not. I'm actually a native Californian. Okay. Um, wow. So, different areas here. Very different. You know, I was born in San Francisco, grew up uh, in the Bay Area and, uh, and in Sacramento, um, went to California for college. Um, you know, after I graduated, moved to, uh, moved down to San Diego, then moved to L.A., so I am a California guy. So, clearly... To move to the Midwest is just an yeah, expected it was, it was move. A life, or something like that, right? lifelong dream for all Californians. <laughs> yeah. Was, uh, <laughs> so what brought you here? How'd you land in KC? Um, I was actually on my way. I was gonna. I, I was gonna go to uh, Columbia. I actually had a scholarship to go to Columbia for oh, law school. Excellent. Um, so I was gonna go to New York, and um, I wasn't super excited about it. But you know, lawyer. You know, being a lawyer seemed like a decent way to make money. So. Um, I, I was uh, sitting in my office, I was working for the Department of Justice at the time, and I got a call from a, uh, a guy who was a VP of a company here in Kansas City that was doing um, hard copy reprographics for lawyers and law firms. And they wanted to get into this new thing called digital you know, discovery or electronic discovery, which basically was, so, you know... Uh, a tech thing that I was doing for the DOJ, and they said, "Hey, we want to start this this division. We're looking for somebody to start this division. Do you have any interest in it?" And so I said, "Yeah, sure. What, you know, what, what, why not? I'll go out and interview." So I went out and interviewed. Uh, they gave me the job, and I was like, "Well, worst case scenario, you know, I, I spend um, you know a year or two in Kansas City, hate it, the business doesn't work out, and then I just go to law school." Um, but um, I came out here, um, I moved out here in December of 2002. I left L.A., it was 78 degrees. I got, <laughs> I got here, it was 5. Nice. Um, so it was just a great, wonderful first impression of the, of the city. What a welcome. Huh? Yeah, it was great. They actually put me up in an extended stay on Quivira and uh, 435, which was also a wonderful first impression of Kansas City. <laughs> Um, but, um, but anyway, the business took off. So, you know, that, that company grew from 8 million in revenue to $30 million in revenue, uh, over the course of three years. And the large portion of that was what my division was doing. And so, okay. um, so digital discovery is kind of a lot of. OCR, optical character recognition type stuff, <clears throat> getting documents made a little easier to, instead of siphoning through them by hand, right? Yeah, I mean, that's 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 still in the hard copy world, though. Like, OCR is for, like, you know, for, for okay. you know, printed out documents. Um, you know, what electronic discovery is, is, is really dealing with things that are, that originated from electronic oh, okay. form, right? So, so emails, text messages... Um, where there could be masses. Where there's data. just yeah, you're just talking about you know terabytes and terabytes and terabytes of, of information that you know you have to go through to figure out whether or not it's you know even potentially you know relevant to something. If you know, for example, if, if you're Toyota and you had cars you know unintentionally accelerate for five years, um, what the government and the people that were affected and all of the suppliers that now have to go fix all of these calls, cars that have recalled. And that's really the huge expense in something like that is, you know, okay. with the auto recall, 
the largest expense is repairing the million cars that are already out on the road, sure. right? Um, so what everybody wants to know is who knew what when. Who's and, responsible. And, right. And okay. there's no way to search the, uh, the, the emails and reports and Excel files of 10,000 employees who billions. touched that car. You're talking about billions and billions of documents. And there's no way to search that for, what are you going to search it for? Like acceleration? You're going to get acceleration on all kinds of things that have nothing to do with that particular thing. So, so that's what Electron Discovery is really all about. Okay. Is how do you find that that concept of, you know, who knew what when, when something goes wrong. Wow. Kind of redefines a whole needle in a haystack search, doesn't it? A little bit. A little bit. Well, very cool. Because it's not, just where, it's not just where's the needle, it's why is the needle there and who put it there. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. It's a good explanation. That helps lay people like me. So, so you kind of took that and ran with it, didn't you? Yeah, so um, that company ended up being very successful, um, and and so you know I was able to take a break, and so I uh, I took about a six month uh, hiatus, you know, and and just played some golf and played some video games, and you know did I was only twenty, I was gosh, I was twenty six years old at the time so you know i did what a normal 26 year old would do when they've got you know a lot of money in their pocket and, and nothing to do with themselves so um and then i realized i needed to go back to do something and a partner of mine you know said hey why don't you do your own thing I'll, i've got you know he had a lot more money in his pocket than i did um and so he you know basically gave me the startup money to start my own company in 2007 um and uh that went really well too we got to about we went from zero to fifty million dollars through the Great Recession. Um, it's quite know. a time to grow. Yeah, it was. It was it's crazy. A lot of people were struggling to just keep the doors open. Yeah, yeah. From two thousand eight to two thousand eleven, which was the you know kind of the peak of of the of the recession, we went from a million dollars in revenue to eleven million dollars in revenue. Um, and so, you know, we, we, we grew pretty quick because we did it, we did it differently. I think that, you know, one of the things that is, is that was the key at the first company and also key at the, the second company is, was it necessarily that we invented anything? We just allowed people to use something in a more effective manner, right? So, okay. um, you know, I'm, I'm big on empowerment, right? If, if, if you know... If I can create, if I can repackage, um, <clears throat> let's see a good example, right? If I could, you know, repackage some do-it-yourself, you know, power tools um, into a way that allowed, you know, somebody with 50%, you know, handyman competency to be able to build a deck as opposed to needing 80%, you know, handyman competency to, to build a deck. Right, exactly. Or, or okay. going out and hiring a, 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 a GC, you know, I think that's where, I, that's really what I try to do with all of my companies is try to give more accessibility to more people. Um, so like even when I bought, I bought a wine bar in 2011 and, uh, <clears throat> and we, we really, and that's that's done really well. You know, we, we when we bought it, it was doing about eight hundred thousand dollars a year in revenue, and we did about two and a half last year. Um, so it's it's been it's been good. Um, 
but really the thing you know that we do with the wine bar is is really similar we we don't have a bunch of wine that like everybody's heard of like so if you if you're a, like a big wine guy you've heard of things like silver oak or opus one or Cute the, yeah exactly yeah yeah exactly so we don't carry any of that stuff we carry about 450 bottles from very small production like niche uh venture venters around the world um and we have wines from Lebanon, we have wines from Greece, we have wines from literally all over the world. And because nobody's ever heard of it, everybody's on an equal playing field, right? And so the question that we ask the, our guests is, well, what, what do you like? What was the last bottle of wine that you really enjoyed? Um, and then our staff, we train our staff to know, well, if this person says this, then you know, here's some things to, to offer them and explain. And then really everybody gets to, to enjoy the the thrill of finding something new and cool that they've never had before. And then now they are experts at something that very few people in the city are experts at, right? Interesting progression. Digital discovery to, uh, to great discovery. Of course. Exactly. <laughs> I like it. Exactly. That's exactly. pretty cool, man. So, okay. So you're in, you're in basically the digital world for legal. And then you took a, you took a, a nice exit there yep. at, at one point. Yep. And that's, kind of what springboard you to do some things that you just see as cool projects, I guess, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, I get people that, that bring stuff to me on a regular basis that are cool. I haven't, there's one right now that I like that I'm, I'm considering pretty heavily. Um, but, um, but, but really, you know, I, I need to do something. And what I really enjoy <laughs> doing is I enjoy, you know, building companies. Once a company is, um, really kind of thriving. It's it's not as exciting as when a company is really struggling. I, I don't know why that is, but you know, You're that's, a that's what I. There's a lot of energy around that phase, and <laughs> right. other than the day to day, right? Right, right. But it's a grind. I mean, I guess I, I just I enjoy that. I enjoy that that grind and um, and, and excitement of, of of people kind of banding together to make something work, you know, um, because all companies, regardless of size, have moments where it is not working and people are wondering if it's ever going to work. Mm -hmm. um, and that, I think, is the most important and my personal favorite time at, at companies now it's not my favorite time when I'm actually in that moment in that moment I am saying very choice words at the top of my lungs on a very frequent basis um, and it's painful but once you went the 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 euphoria and the catharsis that happens for that group of people that kind of get out of that situation and now have something that's really going to work that's that's magic you know, yeah, to me. So that's that's what I really enjoy. So yeah, so I, I, I wanted to do something that was um, that was different. And so uh, I've always been a sports fan. Um, I didn't have quite enough money to to go join a group to to buy a baseball team. That takes uh, a little bit of scratch. Yeah, you know, like you, you really got to have. So the 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 lead guy really needs to have about seventy five. You know, actually, they really need about $175 million to, to be the lead guy okay. to put together a group to buy a majority stake in a billion-dollar sports franchise. That's kind of how it works. Um, 
And so, you know, realistically, very, very few teams are owned, at least in, in baseball and in, in basketball. Football's a little bit different because it's, it's been... Families. Yeah, it's been families lot, for, family for most of it. Yeah, uh, which isn't the case so much anymore in the other sports. Um, but for the majority of other sports, there's a group of people that own a team and there is a lead investor that is the face of you know, that particular team. Okay. Um, so... Um, so anyway, um, I didn't didn't have enough money to do that, so I you know kind of went down the list, and you know I've got a buddy who's who's now actively purchasing a soccer team, and um, you know I just I thought about that, and I was going to do that, and I just wanted to do something different, and so I I decided to go with professional wrestling. Okay, so I think that's where the the, the needle goes off the record. Right. People say. <laughs> Wait, you're doing what? Right? <laughs> that is the... Is that, is that, that is when people kind of go, huh? Yeah. The two responses I get are, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> or, or I get, wait, I thought you just said professional wrestling. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, right. Those are the two... Those are the two responses, um, and there, there. Sometimes there's an F bump in, in well, somewhere that. And there's a lot. There's a lot of angles to those questions. I mean, a business head might say, "Wait, wait a minute, professional wrestling? That's that's an owned market, right? You know, right. the barriers to entry there are giant." Mm-hmm. Um, but you're, but you're, to me, you're kind of throwing it back to what it started as, and it seems like there might be a niche here for that. Yeah, I think if you look at, um, you know, every major enterprise, and if you could look at the WWE as a major enterprise now, I mean, if you look at, um, you know, baseball now is like a $6 billion business, um, well, but the WWE is like a $2 billion business, so it's it's not significantly far off no, <laughs> you know what I mean that's huge um, for a single entity right so so you know from my perspective you know I think um, you know what what we do is we're trying to build a functional um, you know minor league to okay. to the to the WWE and, and it's not it's not necessarily you certainly don't want to be like a minor league in the sense that we're constantly, you know, losing our best talent to the WWE. That's not that's not the goal. But it's it's the difference between, you know, the Royals and the Storm Chasers is that the Storm Chasers really only matter to people in Omaha or mm-hmm. people that are just ridiculous Royals fans, right? right. They're super the super royal fan. Um and so for us, you know, we're not trying to make something that is going to be watched by everybody around the world. We're trying to make something that's going to be watched by people that are in Kansas City and then the super wrestling fan around the world, right? That's really what we're trying to build. So the um, model that you guys are kind of going with for that, it seems a little unique. You know, wrestling originated as being a very hyper-local thing back in the mm-hmm. day when there weren't big traveling shows with it. Right. But now you're taking that local feel, but you're you're kind of combining it with uh, kind of a rivalry perspective, yes, right? Yes, we How's are. How does that go? Uh, well, I mean, you know, I think, you know, the thing that makes, you have to have, there has to be, I think in today's culture, there have to be multiple points of entry for your consumer, okay. you know? So I can't just say, hey, here's wrestling, if you're either a wrestling fan or screw off, right? Um, you know, it has to be a, okay, look, here's, here's what I'm giving you is competition and I'm giving you drama and I'm giving you 
comedy, right? And that's those are the three things that I'm delivering. That's the show. Right, that's the show. And so you can love it because you like the characters. You can love it because you like the medium, you know, which is which is pro wrestling. You can like it because you really enjoy rivalry. And so that's where that Kansas City versus St. Louis thing is important okay. because, you know, we want people to it's a big faction of, of the deal because, you know, the, the good and evil story of comic books and, and, and wrestling um, works, right? And it works really well. But, you know, there is something unique. Uh, like, I, I come from a whole family of Michigan grads. And so, <laughs> to this day, I hate Ohio State. And I hate people who went to Ohio State for no reason, right? Like, I have absolutely zero. But, like, it's in your blood. But it's in my blood. Like, I have a visceral reaction. When I see that stupid O, I get angry, right? I love it. Um, and so, it's, it's the, same, the same thing exists between, you know, cities where you've got uh, a city like St. Louis, which is larger, more established. Um, and looks at Kansas City as something that doesn't matter. Um, in a city like Kansas City, which, you know, is a city that's growing, a city that's got a lot of excitement to it, um, a city that is that looks as itself of, you know, we're every bit as good and probably better than you at sure. most things, but people don't see us that, well, that way. Right? And St. Louis has the same thing when they look at Chicago, right? And Chicago mm-hmm. looks at St. Louis and there's a... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Who are you? And Chicago has that same problem with New York, right? New York has that problem. I don't know who New York has that problem with, right? Maybe London. I don't know. Um, but Boston, <laughs> I guess. Boston. Yeah, I guess. But I mean, it's still like Boston hates New York. You know, probably even more so than Bo- than New York hates Boston because yeah. because New York has you know New York can rest its laurels on the fact that it is the financial center of the exactly. planet, right? Boston's like the annoying kid brother. Exactly. I mean, Boston <laughs> is the annoying kid brother, and St. Louis looks at looks at Kansas City as the annoying kid brother. You know, so. Um, you know, to the extent I have a dog, you know, a dog in the fight, you know, I, I guess, you know, I'm with, I'm with Kansas City as I live here, my kids go to school here, but, you know, I find the, I find the, the rivalry fascinating. And so there's no reason not to give that to people as an option as why they should care about what we're doing. Well, that makes it, it's just one more thing to make it a little more fun. Right. Absolutely. Because I think anybody, you know, you throw back all the way to the I-70 series, Mm -hmm. you know. That's a pretty friendly rivalry here in the Midwest. Yeah. It's a good place to, to do that without starting, you know, curb stomps and with you know, the parking three. lot. Exactly. Things like that. Exactly. So. Exactly. Yeah, it's not, it is very different than uh, the KU Mizzou rivalry or, you know, uh, um, you know, like a Cubs Cardinals type thing. Those are, yeah. those are more ingrained, <laughs> you know, that's, that's Hatfield McCoy level. Exactly. Of, of strife. So, so very cool. So you've got, uh, let me make sure I get it right. It's the National Wrestling League. Yeah, we, we pretty much just refer to it as NWL. Excellent. Yep. So <laughs> That's a lot easier. So NWL, and you guys do live shows now yep. in here, Kansas City and St. Louis. Correct. So How often do those guys? We run every other week here in Kansas City. Awesome. Um, so every other Saturday you get to go. Um, we have, you know, we're, we're very kid-friendly. I'd say probably 40% of the crowd are, are kids. People um, that. People love that. I mean, it's a good place. And we also have, you know, uh, Daddy and Mommy Juice for the for the adults. You know, <laughs> sure. we've got a we've got a great sponsor in Flying Monkey Beer that um, that we sell there, and also uh, we also sell wine, of course. Um, but in yeah, full bar, but um, you know, it's a good mix of. You know, I'd say it's it's kind of similar to going to to a Royals game, right? I mean, there's 
there's rowdier sections of you know Kauffman Stadium on a Saturday night. There's more family sections, family friendly sections of a Royals game on Kauffman. Hey folks, I hope you're enjoying that show so far. I caused a little technical difficulty with our recording on this one, so the second half is at a little lower quality, but you can still enjoy it. So where do you do the shows here in KC? Here in, here in Kansas City, we're at the Scottish Rite Temple, which is uh, on the corner of Linwood and Paseo. It's a beautiful 1,500-person uh, uh, theater. Yeah. Uh, all red carpet, you know, nice ornate stage, drapery, all that kind of fun stuff. Looks like you're going to go see, you know, some kind of, you know, vaudevillian play <laughs> as opposed to, you know, people with chairs sitting and seating each other. But um, but it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an awesome venue. Very cool. Well, the... The theater of it is a big part, right? Absolutely. I mean, I don't think, uh, I think we're to a day we know it's a show. Yeah. That's okay. <laughs> so you're not a small guy. Are you getting up there and uh, swinging a chair yourself? No, no. <laughs> there's, there's, I have, I feel small when I go into the locker room. So <laughs> very good. I think that you, you would be more, you know, you'd be more akin to that. Like you're a little bit taller than I am. So that, that works. I, I'm way too skinny for that. I mean, there's, there are guys. I walked into we have a training facility just 10, 10 minutes up the road on a North Oak traffic way, and um, I went in there last week. And some dude, I mean, he's benching. There's a guy who's our St. Louis champion currently, a uh, dude named Todd Letterman. He's about six four three forty. Jeez. And and you know and just you know his arms the size of my head, right? <laughs> and he's got like he's got four plates on both sides and he just <clears throat> throwing it up, you know, with a little bit of effort, you know, but certainly too little effort for my candy, yeah. right? Like <laughs> <laughs> so, awesome, man. You uh you know, I'm not getting in the ring with those guys though. Probably a good choice. Yeah. 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 So you you mentioned your wrestlers. Now earlier on you said you really you really like empowerment. Either for audiences or, or you know, groups you're working with, mm-hmm. that seems to be something that you're doing different with this. Is kind of making it a, a place that is a little better for the wrestlers, for yeah. the actual performers. What what kind of things are you doing different with those guys? Well, we're the only we're the only com- we're the only wrestling company in, in the country that actually employs our wrestlers like the, the people the guys that work for wwe guys and gals that work for wwe mm-hmm. are contractors like 1099 1099s right they don't get health insurance they don't get Kidding. you know no very serious um I they mean, don't uh they're how yeah that's kind it's, of it's, mind-blowing it's, they, it's they, they travel they, it's it's amazing and really and there's and there's and there's lawsuits on this now and we'll see what the courts have to say about it but yeah. but regardless um you know we all of our wrestlers, whether they're full-time employees or part-time employees, are just that. They are employees, and so they get healthcare. They are they have 401ks. They have you know the things that you would expect if you were somebody on salary at any normal company. It's your job, right? That's it's their job, and their job is to wrestle, right? Their job is to go to the training facility five days a week and perfect their craft. You know, work on their work on their grappling skills, work on their high spots, work on their striking. Work on. I mean, basically, they're, they're they are paid athletes, right? So um, that's that's what they do for a living. Um, so it makes for it, it not only makes for happier wrestlers, but it also makes and, and obviously better wrestlers. But it makes for better wrestling because sure. these guys get to work out with each other all the time. They build relationships with each other. Wrestling is a, has a lot to do. with something that's been interesting for me to learn. Wrestling has a thousand times more to do with respect and trust 
than it does anything else. Like these guys, I mean, you get you have two guys. If a guy is you know six five, two forty, wrestling with a dude who is five eight, one eighty five, right? And yeah. they are flipping around and going hundred miles an hour, you know, grabbing each other by the neck. You really got to trust that other guy. Yeah, right? somebody could get seriously hurt. Extremely, certainly. So, so they build relationships um, in that center that really allow them to do more spectacular moves than than otherwise would be uh, we would be comfortable with them doing. Well, I got to think too that this is a bit of a, a dream come true for some of these guys and gals, right? Yeah. Because <laughs> were they before this? It was probably something that they loved doing, but maybe just did it on the side, right? Yeah, it's, we have we have you know kind of all spectrum. So you have guys that are really really young. You have a, a pair of twins, the, the Royal Blood, who you know they're they're both 24 years old and they're fresh out of college and they they really wanted to make a go of it at wrestling and you know they're extremely acrobatic and so we you know picked them up and they are you know kind of over the moon thrilled that they get to do this for for a living as their first like real job their first yeah. real job is being a professional wrestler um to the other end of the spectrum where we've got you know um a guy who was a stockbroker for a while and then started doing wrestling on the local kind of backyard wrestling promotions that exist <laughs> all over and you know it's too old really for the WWE to ever care about um but he's good he really, you know has a great character is very charismatic and so you know, for him to be able to support his family, you know, by doing wrestling That's huge. is is huge That's for amazing. him. Right. Absolutely. Well very cool, man. So so who writes uh or, or who kind of comes up with the uh the story ideas and the, the general outlines I guess, or how does that yeah. work? Yeah, so so the uh, I'll say this, I mean, a lot of people think that wrestling is scripted and it's and it's it's not. You okay. know. Um it's really kind of a now it is it is predetermined, right? Well, so, you've got. Do you just kind of work from here's kind of the general picture of what we want to happen, the flavor of this match, and let them come no, up with it? No, no, they come up with the the flavor of the match, kind of how it's going. And most of it's improvised in the ring. Okay. So you know, we'll say it's kind of like if I tell you, look, dude, I'm going to meet you in Pittsburgh, Kansas, and we need to be there for. I don't care how you get to Pittsburgh as long as you're in Pittsburgh at 4 o'clock, right? <laughs> okay. So, you know, if you want to charter a helicopter and do that, that's on you. Whatever, right? So we have, so we'll, we'll the, the the only thing that we decide is we'll say, we want this guy to win and it needs to go 10 minutes or it's going to go 15 minutes or it's going to go whatever. Give us give us a performance. Yeah, and that's, and that's it. And then they, the two guys will have a conversation. They generally talk for... 15 minutes about it, and they'll kind of like hash out. There's kind of like in the same way that um, you know plays have three acts. Mm-hmm. There's a similar thing to wrestling matches, and so they'll kind of discuss how they want to finish the stages of okay. the match, um, which they don't tell us. Um, and then so when I when I watch a match, I have really no idea what I'm about to see except for like the very end and. To be honest with you, a lot of times by that time I've you know I'm not I'm not sitting there watching my watch to sure, see, right. want to see what time well, we're at. And that's the goal, right? It right. sucks you into the right. into the story. Exactly. So I, I have no idea I have no idea how the story is going to unfold. Which I you know, I I, I make that akin to, you know, like if I watch um 
if I watch Star Wars, right, like I know that the that the Empire is going to lose, right? At sure, the, the bad guy. Yeah, the bad guy is going to lose at some point, right? So when when that happens, when that when he loses or when she loses and how he or she loses, that's the that's the magic of it, you know. Like you know that the uh, like even like when Batman versus Superman, I watch comic book movies, but um, Batman versus Superman. You know, okay, Superman died, whatever. You know Superman's not going to be, like, dead forever, right? Like, it's, like, it's Superman, right? So, so that's kind of the thing with, with wrestling. So that's, that's really what happens. So they'll, so we just, we, we will say, okay, um, Miles Plunk, you're going to win, uh, and this is going to be a 10 minute match. And they say, okay. And Miles Plunk and Ken Darmo will have a conversation about, Okay, well, I want this to end. Let's do this here. Let's do this here. Let's do this here. So they'll really just decide three things, right? And then everything else they just kind of do on the fly in the ring, depending on how the crowd reacts to things. Um, Very cool. So the best, the best wrestlers are the the men and women that 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 know how to read the crowd reaction and respond in the ring with with moves accordingly so it's it's essentially a physical improv it is so. it really is i mean it's, i think i think people would be shocked if they knew really how intelligent you have to be to be a good wrestler that's a that's a lot of thinking literally on your feet yeah exactly. i mean you know well, while or in the air flying <laughs> <at you>. yeah, <laughs> right 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 you'll see sometimes you know sometimes you know, you'll you'll see things happen in the ring like oh he didn't you know because the guys have to kind of read what the other person is going to do. And so they'll yeah. see somebody running and then, like, you know, they will lock a hold of them. And then both the person who is giving the punishment and receiving the punishment have to kind of both mutually know what what's punishment, what, what is the punishment that's about <laughs> to happen. And so and it's, it's just amazing to me how, you know, they maintain the level of synchronization that they do throughout you know, throughout a match. It's Excellent. really pretty amazing. Excellent, man. Well, it sounds like a blast. And it, it sounds like something that uh, I'm going to have to get the kids out to. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Like Let me know. Let me know. We've got to, we'll get you four, four seats at ringside. Uh, that's, that'd be cool. That's, that's another thing about accessibility, right? So we, you know, we have a, we have a sign making station. So that fans can take signs oh, and they can just they can write up everything. We be as interactive as they want. Absolutely, we send wrestlers out into the crowd during intermission, so they take pictures of kids, they sign autographs, they do all that kind of stuff. We we encourage kids to run down to the ring when wrestlers come out and high fives, you know, on their way into the ring. So it's nice. it's you know, either our good guys or bad guys will respond like in the middle of a match, they will respond to you if you yell something out. Right? <laughs> That's so, good. So if you, um, in some cases, you you should be prepared to take a little bit back if you are going to dish it oh, out. Oh, that's fun. That yeah. makes it really unique. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, so. well, dude, what a project. Different different deal. It you is. Say that anybody else is doing this. That's cool. No, it is different. We're looking at you know now that the we've we've been successful in Kansas City. We had 650 people at our last show, which you know the. I've been told that there hasn't been 650 people watching pro wrestling that wasn't the WWE right. in Kansas City, um, you know, in in decades. So, nice. you know, we're, we're happy about that. Um, our TV show ratings, uh, which were on Channel 38, we're on 38th spot every Saturday night at 11 p.m. from Very 11 cool. to, to midnight. So, 
uh, set your DVRs or watch it live. Either way, just watch. Um, but we're we're typically, you know, number four, number five in the market uh, on the TV show. We've we beat Sports Center the last two weeks. Very um, good, which is cool. So, you know, we're currently looking at expansion. We're looking at expansion, you know, into you know potentially Omaha, Tulsa, Joplin, Wichita. You know, just kind of kind of extend the brand of NWLKC mm-hmm. into the surrounding areas, Topeka, et cetera. Awesome, man. Well, I'm always curious whenever I have people on the show. I, you know, obviously everybody loves KC, but what what is it that you love about KC? And I kind of wonder what your hidden gems are, stuff you'd like other people to know about. You know, I think, um, well, my favorite, my favorite hidden gem in the city is definitely the Musicians Foundation um, on 18th of Vine. Yeah. Um, you know, something that I'm a, I'm a night I'm a night owl. Um, well, I, yeah, they don't start till midnight. Right, right. They start at midnight. They go to six in the morning, uh, Friday and Saturday nights, and you are as likely to see Brian Busby or you know another like news anchor you know, at there as you are likely to see you know um, uh, very let's say people of very questionable reputations. Sweet. Um, which which I always find awesome. And what's the best is when you get both worlds there at the same time because. It really is um, a place where people can go, you know, have whatever kind of fun they want to have and, you know, what, listen to sometimes it's like high school students, but sometimes it's, you know, extremely talented, Amazing professional musicians, right? So it's, I, that's my, that is my favorite thing that, you know, that I think more people should support in the city. Um, you know, I'm also a big fan. I think that, you know, uh, a big fan of you know the Martini Corner area. Um, you know, mm-hmm. you know my local watering hole is uh, uh, is, uh, is is the Tower Tavern, which is on Thirty uh, First and Oak. Um, and you know, it's, I say this because one of the reasons why I like it is because it's never too crowded. But um, sorry about that. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, don't worry, my audience in that big. <laughs> there you go, there you go. But I do think it's a cool area. Um, you know, they got the drop. Tower, Soul Cantina, um, you know, Ollie's. There's a lot of like cool bars down there. They're really building up that whole uh, Union Hill area, which is you know, which is cool. And so I think that I think you know, we look at kind of how Kansas City is rebuilding its its inner core. I really yeah. look at that area as being the next area to to expand. And so you know, I encourage people to go down there and check it out before it gets before it becomes the next big thing. Very cool. Well, those are good ones, man. I love it. Awesome. Well, hey, I know you're a busy guy, so uh, I'll let you get back to the hard work of figuring out how to throw people to the mat. There and, you go. Uh, I really appreciate you sharing us with awesome. today, man. I this enjoyed is, it. Uh, this is unique. <laughs> I enjoyed Very it, cool. man. All right. Have a great day. Cool. into something very new and different here in Kansas City. Major is a really neat guy, and I love how he's settled into Kansas City and he brings us such unique things. As always, if you enjoyed the show, share it with a friend. We'd love to have more listeners all around town. So I hope you guys had a good time this week. I'm Scott. I'll see you next time.